Welcome in to another installment of the Motown Rundown, your home for all things Detroit sports. It is Wednesday, February 16th. As we record, we are just mere hours away from the United States women's hockey team taking on Canada in the gold medal final. I am financially invested. I am emotionally invested and I am ready to roll. So an exciting night here. It's always great to see the boys. I feel like we recorded an episode not too long ago. So good for us for getting back on the, uh, on the saddle here and rolling, but gentlemen, yeah, we're back on track. We're back on track. Listen, I think sometimes we have a tendency to underestimate ourselves when we're uh, planning this kind of stuff, but here we are. Well, half the time, like our work schedules are busy. Trent's still in school. Like it's kind of hard right now, but um, I was going to say this. With like the Olympics, remember when like we had NHL players at the Olympics and the Winter yep. Olympics used to matter. Yep. What a bummer that is. I think yeah. people forget how awesome that was. It really was a like. No offense to hockey, that's the peak of hockey. It's better than the Stanley Cup. I'm sorry. No offense taken. That's one of those age old questions that goes around the hockey circles of like, would you rather win? a Stanley cup or would you rather win Olympic gold? I don't know what to tell you. I I think you'd rather win a cup if you're a player. Probably. And and it definitely depends what country you're from, because that could be different. Cause I think if you're from Russia, that's probably not the case. Yeah. Or I honestly, if you're from America too, I could see a couple American born people are like who went through like getting dominated by Canada and a couple of those games, like, Patty Kane, you asked him, he's had three cups. What do you want more? Another cup or a gold medal? I get that, but it's just a bummer. I don't know. The Winter Olympics, they're not great to start with. Not having NHL the last two Olympics, just big time bummer. Well, hold up. Can I interject for a second and shift gears? Unless interject. it's the best Olympic sport either. I mean, in women's hockey is great, but the problem is women's hockey, it's not as competitive because U.S. and Canada are just so much better than everyone else. Exactly. Well, this was I was gonna hold this for the trifecta, but I feel like it's, it's fitting right now. Do you guys watch the Winter Olympics other than hockey at all? I haven't watched one second of any event. Oh, Dude, okay, okay, because I think you would be very intrigued by the biathlon. Do you know what that is? Is it the one where they shoot the gun? It's yes. one less than the Dude, triathlon. Yes. No. 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 Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's it completely is. different events. But oh. it's different. No, it's different events. It has nothing to do with running, swimming, or biking. It's skiing and then shooting at targets, and it is yeah. fascinating. I watched it last weekend with my family for probably an hour straight, just yes. completely captivated by the biathlon. And if you I miss the there. target, if you miss the target, you have to take a penalty loop. So it's it's like it's high stakes. It's very interesting. What's it called? I, the thing about it is, is it a winter Olympics? I could be like high or something right now, but like, I feel we like the don't winter do Olympics. Drugs, kid. We don't, con- don't do drugs. No, but. To anyone. For some reason, the last time I thought about winter Olympics, it like didn't. Con- I feel like it's going head to head with like every like college basketball game I want to watch. I, I, and I don't know. I could be well, wrong. Well, probably. Oh, that's kind of, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of like, all the I, time. I, the time zones are just all messed. Yeah. Like, like for example, this this world or this gold medal game tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay up and watch. Is it 11 p.m. Eastern? I think it's being played at like 
noon in Beijing, but it's like noon tomorrow, but it's today for them. Yeah. So like for them, it'll tomorrow say that it, it'll say that the cup was, or the, the gold was won on like, you know, the 17th when for us, it's the 16th. I hear you. It's weird. Sure. Also, Hey, I'm I pretty, love the winter Olympics. Well, I'm pretty the sure that suck, the, the, they well, objectively suck. I'm sorry. Ooh. Collins, I don't disagree. No, I don't. I don't love the Winter Olympics, but there are a couple. There are a couple events that pique my interest. But Rabs, to your point, it's kind of worse with like the World Cup, where it's like, okay, in some countries like Russia, the summer is completely different than here. It's like the opposite. So, like, I'm pretty sure that's the thing. Like, the World Cup is going to be happening in Chicago. our winter. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to be like our winter or something like or, that. Uh, for I, I don't soccer. Know. Yeah, that oh, could be. Yeah. Well, well I don't play, care. They have to that. play the winter. They have to play the World Cup in Qatar because it'd be like 115 degrees. And yeah, yeah. In the summer. They yeah, so they it. they have to play in the winter. So it's our winter, which is weird. No, it's their winter too. Right, but it's still like 80 degrees there, right? Something like that. Just the fee. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. We we uh, we lost Collins. I, He's I, there. He's it's just Skippy. Well, it's Skippy, but it's Skippy is dumb. But the, the, the point is, like, we, yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of weird. Like, we get screwed. No. I just have zero juice for the Winter Olympics. Skippy. Tough scene. <laughs> That's good. It's probably good that, that the internet cut Collins off because I wanted to interject on the Winter Olympics front. I love the Winter Olympics, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I grew up playing hockey, and objectively, especially of all the team sports, I mean, it doesn't get much better than ice hockey because, as, as we were discussing earlier, in a normal year, you, you have the NHL players involved in it and whatnot, and obviously this year with COVID and it being in China and the restrictions they had in China and the NHL was like, we're not stopping play. It sucks, and especially when you're a team like the United States of America where all of your best players are playing in the NHL, you really don't have much juice for a team like that. It was cool. Like some of the some of the college kids that got to play, there are a couple of kids from the University of Michigan that were on there. That was all fine and dandy. That was great. But I think the figure skating, I don't know if you guys have seen this. I believe his name is Nathan Chen. I mean, just absolutely lighting up the scoreboard. Yeah. Unbelievable. Great. There's a couple yeah. pairs of American figure skaters uh, that do the ice dancing or whatever. I, I can't keep track of all the different events. That stuff to me is incredible. Um, I would say the events like curling, anyone that tells you they really enjoy curling is lying to you. Curling is innately not a very entertaining sport. Well, I think what the people, people like curling because it's so bizarre. Like it's so it's so yeah, I guess unreal it's like and something it's, out of nothing. People like and, to make something out of nothing. Well, Rabs, the other thing too is like when people people make the age old like uh, joke of, yeah, I could practice at curling for a year and be really good at. It. Like I I disagree. I think it's a very very finesse skill, and I think it 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 maybe it shouldn't be an Olympic sport. I don't I don't want to get into all that because I I'm sure it's been around. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, it's been around for a hundred years. I'm just saying like tear down the curling community. I, I respect, I respect curling. Like I, I respect it. Some people just act like they could walk in and do it tomorrow. I disagree. I think it's a very, very. No, I hear skill. you. I respect anyone's craft. I just think that to, to bail out and say the winter Olympics aren't cool. I mean, the short track speed skating is dangerous. That's cool. 
depending on who you get, the skeleton, the luge, the bobsled, those are all things that I enjoy in, in moderation. What else? I mean, the, Sean White, like, can we talk about Sean White for a second? Yeah, he I blew mean, it. Holy shit. He blew oh, it. I, I, dude, I mean, the guy, like, he had a really emotional interview. And I'm someone who, I mean, I, you, we grew up with Sean White. Like, Sean White was like, oh, my God, like, snowboarding is really cool. And he's he's a guy that you turn the TV on for in the Winter Olympics. So the snowboard, the snowboard half pipe is cool. I think anything with doing the flips and stuff with the skiing is great. Um, the downhill skiing when they're going a thousand miles per hour. I mean, you're just asking for broken bones, but I appreciate the hell out of that. So I don't know. I mean, the, the summer Olympics. I guess like the 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 track and field stuff is kind of cool. I mean, you know, when you have names like Usain Bolt in there, I guess any sport. Michael you Phelps, have someone that's at the dude. I watching Michael Phelps growing up, like that was must see TV. Yeah. And the last time I watched the Summer Olympics just happened. Did they not in twenty one? Yes, they did. They up? did. Yes, they were they were scheduled on time. The winter ones got pushed yeah. back. I think right, or is well, it is it vice versa? Something. I think it's vice versa. Never mind. Whatever. I was in Carmel, Indiana for my brother's baseball tournament. I was, I was downtown with a couple of folks and they have this unbelievable spot in their downtown with this gigantic big screen TV. It's right in the middle of like this little district area where you have these shops and restaurants and you can get drinks and whatnot and you can grab it and go and we're sitting down there one night when they're swimming on and it's like the relays with the US team and I don't know who the big dog was but people go nuts for the swimming and i like that's a sport that you would think is like well, it's swimming whatever the place to watch it wasn't it is great but i was we were talking i mean like michael phelps when michael phelps was at his peak and he was just like absolutely unbeatable it was Everyone watched Michael Phelps. Dude, so, I swimming other that's I literally was about to say this before my Wi-Fi turned out. Olympic oh hockey when it was like good and uh what's it called? Like the Ryan Miller USA team, I don't think I've ever been encapsulated more on an Olympic like event other than that when they lost to Sidney Crosby. What was that, 2012? I think it was 14, the golden goal. Maybe it was 12. Heartbreaking. I asked- no, it was I think it was 2010 because 14 was the it was 10. year. It was it was 10. You are correct. I remember being in Spanish class and I made the teacher put the game on the television. It was heart. It was heartbreaking. No, I think that was 14 because the gold goal happened on a Sunday because I was at baseball practice. Oh, I remember that. Was it? Yeah, it was on a yeah, Sunday. Okay. I remember so, that. So the Oshi shootout is what yes. I'm talking about. Yes, that's what you're talking okay. about. Um, Sochi. But what I was going to say is swimming is like the next one. Track and field when it's good, too. But I, Summer Olympics is just so far superior. Well, hey, I will say this. Like, swimming was my main sport growing up. Swam for nine years. No big deal. Uh, Mike, Michael Phelps was everyone's hero. Like, when when I was – like, when I was – in, you know how, like, when you play basketball went to or Michigan, baseball? so I hated him. Well, I – yeah. I mean, he didn't go there. He I trained. did. I, like, he, he went I, to Michigan trained. the same way Derek Jeter went to Michigan. Well, I'm no, he trained he there. He didn't even go there. He just trained there. But but the thing it is, is like – counts. You know, you know in basketball where it's like, oh, who's your favorite player? And you get, like, 15 answers. When, when, when you're a swimmer and you're, like, 13 years old, who's your favorite swimmer? It's literally Michael Phelps. You didn't say the, Andy Vanderkay? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Lochte. Yeah, Nathan Adrian, Ryan Lochte. Yeah, no. Um, that's all. I don't know. Yeah. Swimming deserves its flowers too. Swimming is very electric, fun to watch. 
Well, hey, I could sit here. We could we could become an Olympics podcast, but we're not. We are the Motown rundown. Um, the so let's talk about talk something about else today. not related to Motown. Sports. Yes, let's talk about something not also not related to Detroit, depending on who you ask. Um, we are coming off of Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, your L.A. Rams are Super Bowl champions. Many people, like myself, Trent, we saw it coming. The writing was on the wall. I could have told you this a year ago when the Lions traded Matthew Stafford to the Rams. That this is where we would be at the end. But before we get into it, because there are several angles of attack I want to take, the first thing I would like to do is congratulate my Lord and Savior, Matthew Stafford. Um, but I also have, I texted Trent this. I was at the gym, not a big deal. And something came over me to where I had this epiphany of where I am now at with the Detroit Lions that I would like to discuss later on. But before we get into that, I want to turn the mic over to Ryan Collins because Ryan Collins said that if Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl, he would be devastated. It would be a terrible day. And maybe not for the reasons that you think, but Collins, I would like to have you kick us off your feelings, reactions, thoughts. Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl champion. Good for Matt Stafford. It fucking sucked. And you're crazy if you didn't. Well, why did it suck? Elaborate on that. Why? Because you watched the franchise quarterback in one year. It's not like it was three or four years later. In one year. And I understand it's like the Rams, all this super team or whatever. In one year with another franchise who doesn't have a fan base, who no one really cares about in that city, and he just throws and wins the Super Bowl in year one. That sucks. I'm sorry. And I, I, I try, I like, I'm try not to like get into the like, oh, Stafford did this and that. Like, I like Matthew Stafford. I was happy for him. Good for him. He seems like a great, like, he's great dude. Did a lot for the city. Great for him. The people like who are celebrating this, it's insane to me. Like, I, like, the last three weeks, I, I could get it after he won a playoff game. I could get it after he won a couple playoff games because the whole idea was there was a lot of people who were unintelligent who had Matthew Stafford takes. But to watch him win a Super Bowl the year after you trade him when you, there's actual weapons around him sucks, and you won't tell me otherwise. And seeing all the interviews saying, oh, once he got out of Detroit, Acting it like he was some like a war prison. Matthew Stafford was held captive yeah, POW for thirteen camp. years. Like, uh, uh, like it's just infuriating, and it's also a thing we. I'm not. We're not going to do this because I know we're in an argument. Like the whole idea that he was blameless in the, the stuff in Detroit. He has there was blame to be doled out, and like, I, I it is what it is. I'm over it at this point. It's just it. It just infuriates me that we have such a brutal franchise and to watch your franchise quarterback of 12 years just step out the door and win a title. Great for him. Seems like a great guy. As a Detroit Lions fan, this sucks. And I don't, as a Detroit, I don't understand how you like generally not upset that this happened. Okay. Like, so you could be I- happy for Stafford. There's a difference between. I'm happy for the person, but as a Detroit Lions fan, this sucks. Collins, that was greatly put because you know what? I came back down to Ryan Collins' earth when this Super Bowl unfolded the way it did because you know what? I feel the same exact way you did. It sucks, dude. It's awful. And the only thing I slightly disagree with is the Stafford blame 
But I do want to say this, Collins. Well, I they're do... acting like Trent. They're acting like he was given like I get Detroit or Lions is one of the most poorly or ran organizations in all of sports. I'm here for that. But they didn't win a playoff game, and he had yeah. a losing record against any winning team they played against. Yes. So like those like in a very large sample size. So a bit like a very large sample size. I understand. Like winning a Super Bowl and winning a playoff game is completely different. I, I just, yeah, I, like that. I don't know. I challenge. I no. I agree. I, agree. I don't I know think... what, what I'm like saying with that, but I just it just bugged me the whole week how it's just like, oh, once you got out of that hellhole in Detroit, I'm like, like I, I I get it. Like yeah, good for him. He got into a way better situation. Actually, like I don't know if. What's it called? I mean, less need and them went all in with the Rams, but it's just like he had weapons. They had opportunities to make the playoffs and win playoff games, and they didn't. And some of that falls on him. And when he actually got to go to a situation that was built for him and he didn't have to do everything, he was able to succeed. Good for him. Well, but it yes. still doesn't yes. like change the fact that like everyone wants to be like, oh, now he's a Hall of Famer. I'm like, I mean, there's 12 years of a sample size. Well, that he, he is. He is. To... But I, I, I wanna, I wanna respond to that, Collins, because I'm actually gonna agree with most of what you said, and then I wanna. No, go perhaps. ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm taking no, I, into another path. I just, I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna respond to that because I'm gonna agree with most of what you said, and then I wanna tee up what Ravs has to say with his dark side take. My thing is this: that sucked, and I was rooting. I was rooting for Stafford the whole time. I had a substantial amount of money on Matthew John, John Matthew Stafford, and he won it for me. And I was very happy, but I texted Rabs this at about 2 p.m. The next day, I hit my limit. I was like, okay, this fucking blows. Like, I, I've, seen, I've seen all the clips now. I've seen all the videos of him talking to his daughters and him, you know, and today was the cherry on top at the parade with the cigar and the Don Julio and all that good stuff. But look, I think what Collins is trying to say and, and may, Collins, jump in if you disagree. But my thing is, like, yes, Matthew Stafford was here for 12 years. Yes, the team stunk for most of those years. They had some good they years. That's, no. uh, that's the other thing. They did not stink. They were mediocre. Okay, well, Collins, you also got to consider that some of those years, they start 0-5 and then finish 7-9. and So it's kind of like, yeah, did I, they stink I that year? No, but. Go well, ahead, no, go no ahead. so let me let me keep going because I think you're gonna agree with me here. Two things can be true. Matthew Stafford can share some blame for not winning in Detroit, but he can also, you know, the fans can sit back here and say, we also know that he's good enough to go win somewhere else if there's enough support. Two things can be true. It's not I it's not like it's not it. like it's not like Matthew Stafford is Patrick Mahomes or Peyton Manning, and no one ever said he was. So, Collins, you're exactly right. Like, we're sitting here. Yes, we, exactly. He, he couldn't carry the team. No. Exactly. But, That's exactly but yes, but you also have to remember that as Lions fans who watched him for a decade plus, we also understand that he could go somewhere else if the situation was perfect and better than the poorly yes. run Lions and win. And that's what happened. And I think Colin's frustration comes from the fact that it came in one season, which just, it just adds to the legacy. It adds to the salt in the open wound of like, dude, 
They will talk <laughs> about this until the Lions win a Super Bowl. You couldn't make it any more obvious that it was the Lions' fault. And that's, I guess that's kind of why I want to tee Rabs up, because it's like you couldn't make it any more obvious than it was the Lions' fault. The dude hasn't even been gone for a year, man. Yeah. He's been gone for 10 months, 11 months, whatever the case may be. And in one year, he com- he wins the division. He turns his playoff record from 0-3 into 4-3, and and he wins the Super Bowl and had a case for Super Bowl MVP. I don't think he should have won it, but he had a case for it. He played well in the Super Bowl. And, Rabs, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you. Thank you, Trent. Um, the first thing I want to say, most importantly, is congratulations to Matthew Stafford. Congratulations to Kelly. Congratulations okay, I, to the girls. I like Kelly Stafford. I She acted like she played in the game. She's she is like supportive of, I, of no, her not, I'm not I understand it's like she has sacrificed a lot too. Just let let the guy have his moment. I know he's not a public guy and she's trying to put him on blast and stuff. I I don't know. Whatever. Sorry. So what a Sunday and it was a roller coaster of emotions. Matthew Stafford, I thought, in the first half, especially played tremendous. I know he threw the two interceptions. Not that I care to argue. I would say that Van Jefferson can probably stick his foot in the ground and come back to the ball. I get it was a bit of an arm punt. That's fine. The white guy from Notre Dame who stinks that cost him the other interception, I believe, because why would you catch the ball that hits you in the hands? I won't get I won't go down that path. I thought Matthew Stafford played exceptionally well when Odell Beckham Jr. was in the game. Odell was open the entire game. He hits him with the uh, with the game opening touchdown. Cash that ticket. Thank you very much. Odell comes Rams, out. I took that also. I took that also. That yes. was a great bet. Odell Odell goes down for the game and things completely changed. But as Matthew Stafford has done time and time and time again, I believe there's like just under seven minutes on the clock. He takes the Rams all the way downfield. I don't care to get into the arguing of like the Ramsey no call and the PI. I, I do. To... I do. Can I do that real quick, Raps? Sure, just real quick. Real quick. I want to do it very quick because sure. you're on a you're on a roll here. My okay. thing was, and I, I said this to my roommates as we're watching it, is like this. I feel like I'm watching the Lions. Like it, it's like you get an early lead, you're feeling good, then you add a player injury, a bullshit call or two. And then, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself down going into the fourth and it's a fourth quarter comeback. It's the story of Matthew Stafford's career. He delivered. So I'll let you keep going. But that that to me is that's why I cared about the Ramsey thing, because it, it just was like I've seen this too many times. And I was very nervous and upset that it was going to end up fucking him over, quite frankly. But whatever. Go ahead. Right. So whatever happens, happens. He finds Cooper Cup. You have to give credit to Aaron Donald and the LAD because they come up huge at the end um, and they, they win the game for you. And Aaron Donald has that little, you know, he, he gets pressure to burrow. He brings him down burrow, throws a ball inches away from Samaj P Ryan's hands and the Rams win the Super Bowl. And there is an, there is an element of me that when I saw the win, I obviously was elated for the guy. Because right, wrong, or indifferent, and this is complete Lions fandom aside, Matthew Stafford truly is probably one of my favorite athletes ever. I would probably really? say he's yeah. I would I would absolutely <laughs> say so. No shit. Oh oh oh. 
Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I was couldn't pick up on the sarcasm. He's one of my favorite athletes ever. He's certainly one of my favorite Detroit athletes ever. And if anything, you know, there's there's many reasons for that, but at the very minimal aspect of it, it's because I grew up watching the guy quarterback my football team for 12 years. Like I I grew up in the Matthew Stafford era. And as the Super Bowl was won, I felt this giant weight lift off my shoulders of like, you know what, Ryan? You don't have to defend the guy anymore. You don't have to get into fights on Twitter. You don't have to shut Jeff Rieger off on the radio because all you have to do is laugh and point to the ring because Matthew Stafford showed you that when you put him on a team that's competent and if you want to play the super team game, you can play it all you want. The bottom line is the guy got the monkey off his back and he won his playoff game and then he won two, and then he beat Tom Brady and won the NFC Championship and forced Tom Brady into retirement, and then he goes out and wins the Super Bowl. Is there a case for him to win Super Bowl MVP? Absolutely. I think people see the two interceptions and go, we should probably just give it to Cooper Cup because he was unbelievable on that last drive. But as Matthew Stafford does with the game on the line and the Super Bowl on the line, He takes you all the way down the field and he wins the game. And there's no phantom penalties. There's no golden Tate short at the goal line because the LA Rams are not the Detroit Lions. And I couldn't have been happier for the guy that after 12 years of suffering and yes, Collins, he does shoulder some of the blame for the Lions, maybe underachieving in the years where they actually had competent teams. But in talking with Uncle Steve, my Lions guru, the other night, he brought up a great point. Shout out. You want to look at Super Bowl winning quarterbacks? Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. But you know what Tom Brady got to work with for over a decade? Bill Belichick, probably the greatest NFL coach of all time. Easily, not probably, easily. One of the best run organizations in the history of sports. And that's what this all boils down to for me. All all these people that Stafford was the reason why the Lions couldn't get it done. And Collins wants to tell me those people were few and far between, but the people are out there. Well, those people that didn't watch the Lions. Sure. But I, 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 this conversation is directed towards them nonetheless. All the people that said that Matthew Stafford wasn't the guy to get you over the edge. The Lions can't win with Stafford. He's not good enough. I hope that you guys see now, and and this is, take the Lions out of the equation. Matthew Stafford in this season with the Rams on his own had a great season. How the guy wasn't named to the Pro Bowl and all pro team over a guy like Kyler Murray is criminal and it's comical. And I don't want to open up the floodgates of the Matthew Stafford Hall of Fame conversation. Well, let's let's do that next week. Let's do that next week for the sake of No, because we're we, I there's more important things at hand. We can have the conversation next week if we want to. There's I'm not more... talk I refuse to talk about Matthew Stafford after this week. I'm being serious. I won't won't do it. Okay. Then if at the end of this, we want to talk about the hall of fame thing. Great. I got to get this out, but everyone should see now the talent that this guy has. And of course, Collins, I, I have seen the Matthew Stafford, happy, happy feet, late game interception, pooping the pooping the pants. I've seen it all. 
and he is not blameless for the Lions' lack of success. But the fact that that guy for 12 years had to walk into Ford Field with the, with the ownership as abysmal as it is, with the front office as abysmal as it has been, with the coach after coach and OC after OC and Shuri Ed Calvin, this franchise, the Lions, have wasted Barry Sanders' career, have wasted Calvin Johnson Jr.'s career, and have now wasted Matthew Stafford. Raps, raps, and in, in, Col- in Colin's defense, off, in, do you not in, understand that? In Colin's defense, Collins has Collins take has never been that Matthew Stafford isn't capable or that the Lions didn't waste me. It just it Collins's take is literally just that as it a sucks fan, it sucks. Lions <laughs> that's what it, that's my take. You know what, Rabs? It's like it's like when you just you you can't get over the hump. And you just you keep trying and trying and trying, and your so girlfriend dated a girl for six years yes. just for her to go off and get married with another guy in four months. And that You're... guy is super hot. Okay, yes. but and that, she's posting look. on Instagram saying it's the girl, yeah, it's the like guy it's... of her dreams, and oh everything God. sucks. No, that's what it is, Rabs. It's not I know, that. But, it's but... not that we are tone deaf to the fact that the lions are inept. It's the fact that it just that's sucks. why we're mad because we yeah. understand we're in this hellhole. We have to like. Okay. And I, I and I'm and that's uh, and I've already convinced myself that this team can maybe win a division if Aaron Rodgers leaves. That's how <laughs> sick it is. That's how sick it is. Okay. To to wrap up to wrap up the I told you so segment of the Stafford talk before I get back to the Lions, I got into it with one of my buddies on the day of the Super Bowl when Stafford threw that first pick, and he's laughing at me. There's your hero. There's your hero. And his whole thing was like, I'm, I'm sick of the Stafford love. He doesn't play for your team anymore. I, 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 I am not a Rams fan. The Rams fans aren't even Rams fans. The whole point of this was Matthew Stafford was burned at the stake because he couldn't win with the Lions. And I had to listen to people tell me that he's the reason why the Lions couldn't be successful. He shut everyone's mouth in about six months. And I was happy for the guy I grew up rooting for. And anyone that wants to come back to the, well, the Lions weren't always that bad uh, when Stafford was there. Who do you have to thank for that? Because the Lions won zero games before Matthew Stafford came to the Lions. So you have Matthew Stafford to thank for a lot of what the Lions were able to do, which wasn't much. I know they got to the playoffs a couple times and didn't win anything, but Matt, you have Matthew Stafford to thank for a lot of that. So for all the haters out there that I, I don't condone the Detroit Rams stuff. I think it's stupid. So I texted Trent this, and this is where I want to segue and back to the lions because now I've the parades over. I'm back down to earth. And I told Trent, I go, Trent, it's time to let Matthew Stafford go. It's been a great ride. It's been a fun year of doing the shtick of, Maybe I'm not a Lions fan. Maybe I'm a Matthew Stafford fan. Matthew Stafford has set me free. He has given me the greatest gift that I could ever ask for. He has set me free from my bounds of having to defend the guy time and time again because he shoved it right up everyone's bunghole by winning the Super Bowl. And I no longer have to do this song and dance. Jeff Rieger can say all he wants. Rob Parker can say all he wants. Skip Bayless can say all he wants. 
The guy has not only won his playoff game, but he won a Super Bowl in his first year with the team. So with that being said, I want to bring this back to the Detroit Lions. And, and this is kind of building off of what Ryan Collins said. I texted Trent and I said, Trent, you're a Star Wars guy. I feel like Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars 3. What is, is that? What is that? Revenge of the Sith, Trent? Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Anakin Skywalker and myself are very similar because we have the spirit of the force within us. We are supposed to be this bright light of hope as he is for the Jedi. I am for the lions. I come on this podcast and I try to be glass half full. I try to be positive despite all the losses and the insufferable actions of the team and the ineptitude and all of these things the Lions have shown me over my lifetime and over decades and decades of never winning, never doing anything, wasting the careers of Hall of Famers and whatnot. But I still come on here and sell you this hope. There was a certain point in episode three of Star Wars where Anakin Skywalker starts to get a, get a little bit of a bitter taste in his mouth. He's not happy with the way things are going. And as I'm watching this Super Bowl, I can feel myself starting to make that transition of Stafford's coming down the field. He leads him to that game-winning drive. As he hosts the trophy, I feel myself go from Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader. And, I, and as you say, Collins, does it suck? Sure. I am so furious and angry and hateful and resentful of this franchise for wasting not only Barry Sanders' career that forced him into retirement because he couldn't take it. Calvin Johnson couldn't take it. He retired. Matthew Stafford couldn't take it. He has to be moved on. Three Hall of Fame talents that you have wasted the careers of because of how poorly run and how inept your organization is. I am full-blown dark side, Darth Vader. I am Anakin Skywalker fighting my mentor. I'm fighting Trent. I'm fighting Dan Campbell. I'm fighting Steve Mariucci. I'm fighting everyone that ever came Uncle Steve? Me in the are, you, are you fighting Uncle I'm Steve? I'm not fighting Uncle Steve. I'm not fighting Uncle Steve. I'll never fight Uncle Steve. Well, but is Uncle, what's Uncle Steve's stance right now? Uh, he, he, he is more so focused on Stafford from the same standpoint of he rooted for the guy like hell. He was treated so unfairly, so unappreciated, and still okay, unappreciated just, by the I, media. I wanna, people loved Matthew Stafford. I don't understand what – Rams, there was – you are right. There was a thing like that. You acted like he was treated like – I can't – I can't – like, people liked Matthew Stafford. Well, there were the people out there that didn't, and that's where my – But you're was acting going. like it was like 25-75. People liked Matthew Stafford a lot. Nonetheless, but he was at Ford field. No, I guess not. But I, I am, I am now coming out as Anakin Skywalker. I am full blown Darth Vader. And, and, And this is the important part, because if you are a fan of star Wars, you know, spoiler alert in episode six, Darth Vader comes back. And right before he takes his final breath of air, He comes back down to earth a bit. He has this beautiful embrace with his son. And there's that little bit of hope, that little bit of Jedi, that little bit of Lions fan that we always knew was there throughout all the movies. But it it took till the final breath for that to come back out. 
So look, you guys down the line, episode six, I'm sure you'll be able to pull that Lions fan, that Lions hope back out of me. But as of right now, I am I am so far gone. I am full-blown dark side. They wasted Barry, Calvin, Stafford. I will not allow them to waste myself. And, and Trent, you said it best. We can't blame Lions fans for any opinions at this point. Yep. Any The Ryan Collins, the Trent Bailey of the world, the two sides of the spectrum, I can't. Well, I can't can I, blame you for how you feel. Can I expand on that? Expand. I want. I just want to expand on that because my point and and Rabs, you're right. I did say that to you. And the point of me saying that was, like, we can't, especially now of all times. You know, it's not like Barry. When Barry Sanders retired, that was maybe one thing. So I'm sure there was a lot. We weren't alive then, or if we were, we don't remember. There was a lot of chatter. I'm sure at the time for the sports media that there was at the time of. Oh, Barry Sanders, you know, quit on the Lions and it's the Lions and the Lions are inept and blah, blah, blah. But we live in such a society now where there's so much social media and there's so much of this sports talk and there's so many outlets and you hear all these opinions and you hear all these takes and everything. The Motown rundown, shameless plug being one of them. And it's like. Now, of all times, we can't blame anybody. If I want to get here on this podcast and say, hey, I got faith for next year because I like Amon Ross St. Brown and I like DeAndre Swift, then so be it. If Ryan Rabinowitz is going to come on here and say, I am Darth Vader to the Detroit Lions now yeah. until they show me they can win a division or something, so be it. I, it's The Lions fan base is such a unicorn at this point to where it's – and it's because of the Matthew Stafford story arc because there's not – Two single Lions fans are in agreement. No two single Lions fans are in agreement at this point. Everyone's a little more optimistic, a little more pessimistic than the other. Everyone wants another player, a different quarterback, blah, 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 a different coach. But some people don't even like Campbell at this point. I don't even know how he can. But go ahead, Collins. You were going to say something. I just, what's it called? It's always been this taste with Lions fans, and it's always going to be this taste until they actually win something meaningful. Right. You got the older fans that – are have seen it are really pessimistic and they like spread it on to like different generations. And you got the pessimistic lions fan. And then you got the Waterford lions fan who it's like my aunt Mary Joe, who's so optimistic, like Trent every year. It doesn't matter. They're coming back every year. They love going on to Ford field. They love spending $13 on a Bud Light. They love the whole experience and they're going to buy in every single year. And that's like the different side of the spectrum every time with the Lions fan. And I think the people like that, the Waterford Lions, they love Matthew Safford. And I think that's a large majority of the fan base, the Lions fan base. They love Matthew Safford. I love Matthew Safford. But it's just, like you said, Trent, I just think it's got – the Lions are so bad, we just have to – we have to find self – and there's such a rabid fan base that they get so bored that they need to make up these narratives and stuff like this. And I think it just like – brainwashes people into like having like Detroit Rams thoughts. Like what, how did that even happen? Well, I do Collins to that point, to that people's brains are so broken from lions that are like, okay, Stafford, he's, he's our guy. Like, yeah, he is our guy. He also doesn't play on our team anymore. So he's no longer kind of our guy. I like go root for him. I, I had no problem with people being happy for Stafford. Just the fact that people are like, this is, this was awful for the lions. 
every oh. part of it was awful for no, Lions. No, no, no. Listen, it was awful for Lions fans. I think that's kind of where I disagree with Well, it was Collins. bad for Lions, too. They could have had the 20th pick. What did I understand, mean? yes. But, Collins, you – I didn't care on. about that. Yeah, no, I you – personally you, didn't. But, Collins, you agree with me in that it doesn't ma- – like, if any franchise should know that draft position does not matter nearly it, as I, much I mean, as, I'm not – that's like not the, Okay, so, 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 so they got that's the 32nd pick instead of the 31st. Right but it, like, it did hurt them. Them winning hurt them. Yes, but you knew that going in. And, like, maybe next year people won't be rooting for the Rams as much because, you know, you have if the Rams. are, I I'm, would be sick to my stomach. You, you got the Rams pick next year, you know, and I, I, I just think I think to Rabs's point, it's kind of like this was the monkey off the back vindication moment of, like, now, yeah, we can let Matthew Stafford go. We don't have to, like, root for Matthew Stafford so much. Because, look, Matthew Stafford, no matter what he does the rest of his career, maybe next year he's – He's horrible and blows a bunch of games and all oh, the conversations are ring. Well, the, yeah, the conversations next year are maybe like, Oh, Matthew Stafford, he's back to Detroit. Matthew Stafford doesn't matter. Cause yeah, oh. he got his ring and he's probably going to make the hall of fame someday. Cause he has the numbers to do it. So it's just that that's just, that's the bottom line for me. I don't know. Am I, well, am the, I annoying? Can I say one more thing? Yeah. The annoying thing was the national media who didn't watch the lions a ton Thought Stafford was like Jay Cutler, which he wasn't. He was better. He was yes, a, a little point. above that. He was a be- he was a good player. He sometimes didn't have the weapons, tough as hell. And what I like, and and Collins to your point, first like, and the, number one in the so NFL and and fourth quarter comeback since 2010 or game winning drive since 2010. Number one. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, but like the whole thing was. I, like, I didn't think the national media had it right on Stafford because they didn't watch him enough. They didn't pay attention enough. They acted like I, – I, I think it was more national media than local media. Like, local media, like, there's going to be 97-1, and there's going to be guys like Reader who just, like, get a rise out of you. But anyone who watched the Lions realized that Stafford was not – Yeah. The yeah hell yeah. That's my, that's my point. Reason. Like, he was leading – he was he was, he was was leading game-winning drives and comebacks for a decade. Yes. Like, the national media didn't see it. No, but the problem is it's completely flipped now where it's just like, well, Stafford was the problem in your eyes, in the national media's eyes. Now it's the Detroit Lions. Like, it's just super inconsistent, and it annoys the shit out of me because, like, it can be somewhere in the middle, and it's never going to be. And I don't – I have to argue this every time because it's never going to be in the middle. It just never is. Yeah, I, I look at the end of the day, I as I said earlier, I am I am ready to move on. I'll always root for Matthew Stafford. And like again, I'm not a Rams fan. I don't love OBJ. I there are some players on that team I think are sweet. I don't, but I, I'm not rooting for the Rams as much as I'm like same again, LeBron James, one of Trent Valley's favorite athletes ever, to the point where he crosses off the name on the jersey because he's not a Lakers fan, but he still has the poster in his room. So that's that's how it is. But with that being said, I think my insufferability that I've had is gone now because I have the point has been proven. The point I've been trying to make and what Matthew Stafford has been trying to prove to people is that he is a very, very, very good quarterback. And when you pull him out of the the inept franchise the Detroit Lions are, you can see what he can do in one year. And I think it's just more so a reflection 
Trent Trent made a good point too when we were talking about this. This is this is our darkest hour as Lions fans because everything that every bad negative thing that was ever said and thought about this team has all come to fruition. They they had their franchise quarterback. They they had the guy that went out and just won a Super Bowl. They had a Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback in Matthew Stafford. And while he was here in Detroit for 12 years, they got nothing done. They couldn't put a good enough offensive line in front of him. They couldn't give him a running back that could run over 50 yards during a game. Sure, he had Calvin Johnson. I'll give you that. He had a couple weapons here and there. He had a couple years where the defense was really good. But all in all, they they failed. They failed as an organization to build a team around this franchise quarterback, and the Rams were able to do it in one year. Granted, many of the pieces were already in place. They have a great head coach. But but you you are looking in the mirror right now if you're the Lions and going, how did we manage to go over a decade with that guy as our quarterback, the guy that in every single playoff game he played in was losing and came back and won, the guy that threw 14 touchdowns in the fourth quarter in zero interceptions, and the guy that had one of the better passer ratings of all time down the stretch in his playoff games. So that's that. Good for you, Matthew Stafford. I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you can live your life now and be a free man. And once again, I thank you for setting me free from the vice of me having to be an angry hunchback troll trying to explain to everyone how wrong they are about the talent that this guy has and how how much to blame the Lions are. So back to my point. What's it? I Safford. have full-blown I, I mean, Rebs, can I, ask I have one succumbed question? to the hate. I have succumbed to the anger. I have I have proverbially walked – I don't know if that's a word. I have walked into the proverbial Jedi Academy. Yes. Hello. Yes. Am I here? What? Sorry. It was delayed. Ass. Can I ask you a question? What's the call? Do you hear me? Collins wants to ask Rabs a question. That's the I can bottom line. I don't know what I don't know how this is gonna sound on the pod, but I can hear everyone now. Okay, so Joe Burrow takes since the argument I think that gets skewed, and I think this was my main point since day one, since we started doing this podcast. And I think if you look back, I probably said like these exact words. Matthew Stafford can win you a Super Bowl with the pieces in place. I truly believe that. He just wasn't the guy to take you over the ledge. I think, Rab, sometimes people, when they get pissed about Stafford, it's like, oh, they said Stafford sucked. I think a lot of that argument was like, he's just not that top, top tier guy. And I think that's, he wasn't, which is fine. You know what I'm saying? I, that that's That's where I think I, me and you disagree because, I really don't like believe there were all these conversations where, like Safford's the reason why they're losing. I think there there was 25% of the fan base who were unintelligent, who didn't watch the games, who had that, but people who actually watched the games and cared about this team never thought that. I think there was a majority who was like, oh, this is a guy who could similarly lead us. And there was a majority who's like, we need a lot of help to surround him. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very sophisticated way to put what I think the the foundation of the argument is. It was that Matthew Stafford is a very good quarterback, but he's not going to be able to be the guy to take this team, this Lions team, 
to he's that. He's not next Burrow. Level. He's not Brady. He's not. That's that's okay. But 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 where where I have the problem is is I would vehemently argue that it doesn't dude if Tom Brady was the quarterback of the Lions you think the Lions would have had a Super Bowl yes really uh, then then wow i i, I disagree and, and I the don't fact know. that the fact Joe that Burrow Joe literally, Burrow was it, it, just Burrow basically had the 2011 Lions roster. Okay, it. but Collins, Collins, Dude, Collins, Collins. Collins. So much. Baker Mayfield got hurt. Lamar got hurt. There was a lot Baker that went May- there. What does Collins, that have to do? They the Bengals, won- won- the, including the playoffs, the Bengals won they six. went on the road and won a playoff game. The Bengals, the Collins. What is this ba- argument? Why are we having this argument? Because the Bengals won six games on walk-off field goals this year. They're not that yeah, they good. Won those they, yeah, they, they won those Yes, but they're not a good team. They're not that good. They're not going to make it. They're not going to win their division I, next year. That might be true, Trent. It, 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 it's true. not a quarterback thing. It's not a quarter. It's yes, not yes, Joe it Burrow is, carrying. Dude, yeah, no, it it's Joe, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had a fine year, dude. It's not Joe Burrow did not carry the Bengals to the playoffs. That was the narrative because everyone loves Joe Burrow. That's because he's flashy and he's cool and he's hip. That was not what happened. So what happened was the their division Bowl. corrupted. They could have factually lost every single playoff game they played in. They didn't. They got lucky. And they also got very lucky to even be within one score of the Rams on Super Bowl Sunday because they got a bullshit face mask call go their way. That And then Odell got hurt. You get, There's so many layers to this. They're like The Bengals aren't that good. So I deny the, the Joe Burrow narrative of like – how It's someone who – I Trent, the numbers are not something like that. And this is another thing with Brady where it's just a point blank. Like he just changes the culture of your franchise. Tag. Joe Burrow did that. Yeah, but he they, did that. It's I, okay. year two. Collins, I would Super even, Bowl. I would honestly agree with you on Burrow more so than Brady because Tom Brady has had great defenses his entire fucking career he's played in a horrible division he's played in a terrible division his whole career like that's a fine argument he the first three super bowls yeah those were led by the defenses yeah the last three are all brady i'm sorry so this is this is a different conversation no i i I disagree because i I think i think holding the rams collins i think holding the rams to one score in 2018 was like kind of more of a defensive thing than tom brady but that's just that's my opinion i don't know I, I just, I'm just, this, I'm, this is a different conversation. The argument right. is getting back to the main point, and me and Rabs, I think, can agree with this. Stafford wasn't the guy to change this culture to get it to where it needed to be to be like a Super Bowl contender. He was a really good player. They didn't get it done. He went to a situation where he had great resources, better coaching, and a better support staff, and he was able to get it done. That was always my argument. And I, I don't like, and I think that was majority of the people's argument. That's, we don't need to do this as we've no, done this. I think the last that's, month. That's fair. And I, and I'm not, I'm not going to, I and my point was, my piece he, and Stafford was on. not what Joe Burrow was to the Bengals because it's a very similar situation. I, I just, I, I look at it like this. You are correct in that, that I think is the, is the fundamental argument. If you want to sum it up. I would make the argument that when when you say that Matthew Stafford didn't change the culture the way a Joe Burrow has, and again, he's only played for a year and a half, so we can pump the brakes on that, or that Tom Brady... He did more in Cincinnati than Stafford ever did in Detroit. Ever. 
Okay, ever. But in 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 the argument I would make on that is Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow has T Higgins, he has Tyler Boyd, he has CJ Ozuma, he has a Joe Mixon defense, he has Joe Mixon who can rush over 50 The Bengals yards. defense wasn't that good this year. They had a good playoffs. I Collins, my point yes, has, that head yes. coach is better Look, that, I think that let's all can we all s- coach the Lions have had can- can you we all sing like Kumbaya? Said, Trent, tell me the Bengals weren't that good. And you're saying. They weren't. They yeah, weren't. Yeah, the but Bengals they weren't good. The they, got a, because... they, they got breaks. This was a weird year. The Bengals. <laughs> dude, are you telling me the look, Bengals look. were better than the Bills? No, the Chiefs, I'm not saying the, that. The, That's the... Trent. My point is, my point is, literally, I, my, I, I didn't need this to become an argument, but I'm just saying, he, Joe Burrow. Actually, the Cincinnati Bengals didn't win a playoff game for 31 years. And year two, they're going to the Super Bowl. And that is because he is just that guy for that franchise. He's a culture changer. And Matthew Stafford wasn't in Detroit. That's okay. not any okay. indictment on Stafford. See, this you is such a rabbit. Collins, special, Collins. I, special player. And Collins, Stafford just wasn't that for Detroit. Collins. He's a very good quarterback and got it done. In LA, Good Collins. Listen, black and white wins and losses. You are one hundred percent correct. I guess I just the reason I get upset about it is because the what context doesn't add up. Like the the Lions, Matthew Stafford throws for three hundred eighty yards against the Saints, and the Lions lose by double digits. Matthew Stafford in two thousand. I I, I and, understand and, that. No, I'm just I'm just saying. Like in twenty fifteen, Matthew all, Stafford. Context, everyone talks about two thousand fourteen with the penalty flag. Yes, Sam Martin with the awful thing. Yes. They should have won that game. So my my point, Collins. My, still got the ball with two minutes left in that Collins, game. Collins, I shit. know. I understand. My point is when you juxtapose that, you take that, you put it in a vacuum, and you look at this other vacuum over here, which is the Bengals won every playoff game by one score. And and it, and Ryan Ryan Tannehill threw a pick at midfield with 30 seconds. Like it, it, that stuff didn't happen for Stafford could have done the same thing. And I, I, I agree with you. That's why I say black and white X's and O's. It's probably you're a hundred percent, right? It's just like Matthew Stafford could have been the same exact player. Joe Burrow was if he were in a Cincinnati and got the same breaks and the same situation happened. And you know what? If Matthew Stafford was on Cincinnati playing an LA Rams team of this caliber, he probably wouldn't have won the Super Bowl either. So it's not it, it's it's not a big swing either way. I don't know. I well, got. I yeah. just I, I completely disagree with that. But and, and this is this is not on. this is not something. This is not something that we are going to be able to ever settle. This is the age long oh, yeah. debate of Lions fans of sports fans that we are simply not going. It, it, it's a matter of opinion, and and my my opinion is I will is I will say. Um, to, to, to wrap this up and, and move on is that Ryan Collins makes the comment that Matthew Stafford did not change the culture the way that Joe Burrow has for the Bengals. I'm not, I, I will give Joe Burrow his due and that I think the charisma and what he brings to the table, I think that people like to follow Joe Burrow and I respect what he's done so far for the Cincinnati Bengals. But what I will tell you is this. The Detroit Lions historically are a poverty franchise that went 0 and 16 in 2008. Drafted. Well, listen, Matthew the Stafford. Bengals are too. That's what Scound's point is. I okay, think okay, but the Lions draft Matthew Stafford. 
from they go from zero wins to two to six to ten. Then they go four to seven, but eleven. Like they're they're Matthew Stafford was a big part in taking this franchise from the absolute depths of hell and being alone at the bottom of history. Okay, fine. In my That's, final I, argument, he was a good player. I, my mind, I, well, I don't know why we're arguing this. My no, I by my final piece before I lose my mind, and this is I don't need this doesn't need to be an argument because it's a matter of opinion and there is no right answer. In my humble opinion, I don't care if the Lions had Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, John Elway. Thanos, Iron Man, Captain America. I don't care who the Lions had at quarterback. You cannot sell me that any of the guys I named, maybe a Super Bowl win or two, sure, I'll give you that. I'll give you the greatest quarterback of all time, being in the same situation as Matthew Stafford in his three playoff appearances and getting the win. You cannot sell me any of the humans or superheroes I just named wins a Super Bowl with the Detroit Lions. You know why? Because one of the greatest parts about Matthew Stafford is the guy who played through injury after injury. He showed up for 12 years. He never said boo. He took his licks. He he was quiet in the media. He was great in the community. And he played quarterback for the worst organization in the history of the world. Tom Brady walks out double middle fingers after three years. Aaron Rodgers walks off the field mid game and anyone else I mentioned does not make it as long as he did in Detroit. So thank you for your service, Matthew Stafford. I am proverbially, as I am now using this word again, that I don't think is real. I am walking into the proverbial Jedi Academy as Anakin Skywalker. My eyes go to black. I kill every young Jedi in there and I am sucking the souls out of young Lions fans for the rest of my days until they win something in the same fashion that all the people that call into the radio stations and some of my relatives have tried to do to me. Congratulations. I have kicked the bucket. I am full blown dark side. I am hopeless. I have nothing left. And all I can hope for is somewhere down the road years from now, we, we go episode six star Wars and that little bit of hope that everyone for years thought, God, Rab still has that in him somewhere. He has that Lions fan in him somewhere. We just need to pull it out. My hope is that one day when I'm on a ventilator, when I'm 150 years old and the Lions are crossing the finish line to win their first Super Bowl ever, that I am there to see it. And as I take my last breath, all I can do is shed a single tear for all the pain that I've been through. I will not put myself through it anymore. All the SOL, all the bag on the head, I'm in. That's my team now. That's when who they, I ride with. When I the, ride with the bag heads. When the Detroit Lions start six and two next year, you're right back in. That's your episode six. I'm sure I will be because yes. I am. I have a disease, and that is all I have to say about the Lions. I would like to move on. The Pistons played tonight. Unless anyone has anything else to say about Matthew Stafford or the Lions, I can't do it. I can't deal with it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't care who they draft. I don't care who the coach is. I don't care about Jared Goff. I just want it to end. I want, I don't, I want none of it. I'm out. Does anyone want to talk about the Pistons? We do have wings later in the show and we will do the trifecta, but I cannot talk about the Lions anymore. And I cannot wait until my Matthew Stafford elite shirt comes in the mail and I'll wear it on the next podcast. 
All right. Business. Hashtag, hashtag thank you, Rabs. Yeah, Collins, you you could probably give a better insight to this, Collins, because I no, let's start with Pistons. Well, they've the Pistons have only played two games since we last recorded. Look, they had the game against the Wizards, which was underwhelming, and then tonight's game as we embarrassing were against, against the Celtics. So, Collins, I think we should just kind of let look. There was nothing from the Wizards game that's worth talking about. So I just want to focus about tonight's win against the Celtics because Collins, you watched it. I watched it. You watched the end. I was unable to catch the end. So I just would definitely want to talk about that and Cade Cunningham and Marvin Bagley and all that. So I'll let you drive on this. Go ahead. I will say this. I mean, I know the Celtics aren't really a lineup that has like a couple bigs that really I did like the idea of, and I saw James Edwards the third, who writes for the Athletic, who's really good, talked about how the Pistons with the lineup of Stewart and Badly together, it's interesting because they've been playing kind of small like this entire year, and it's nice for them to go Badly, Stewart, and Grant, where you actually have some real size. And it was interesting. I enjoyed a lot of the game tonight, um, especially the end of it. I mean, Cunningham and Stewart make a really nice defensive play still the Pistons give the Celtics an opportunity when Corey Joseph throws the ball away is what it is I it's hard to watch NBA basketball right before the trade deadline because everyone checks out for like the last two weeks of it it's actually like uh, I will say the NBA has been borderline watchable regular season the last like year and a half it just has been um might just be the fact that Pistons suck and it's a tough watch um I'm, I, I'm, I'm at the same like Thing, but like nights at the night is why you watch the Pistons because when you watch Kate Cunningham down the stretch, he makes like the right decision like 90% of the time. Yeah, He's even really that for- that fourth quarter, even. I mean, he had a really nice dish to Jeremy Grant. He yeah. Just, He's a smart player. And look, what did he have tonight, Collins? 28 and seven or something like that. Yeah. Tonight, Kate Cunningham and was 20, he- 20 points, eight rebounds, six assists in 36 minutes. That's great numbers. He's just a winning player, and you see it like, hey, like, let me take Jalen Brown when he wants to take the last shot here. I got him. Boom. He locks him up. Stewart comes over and helps. Big block on Jalen Brown. Pistons are in a position to get the ball and get fouled, whatever. They screw that up. Still good defensive possession. He's just a winning player, point blank. And that's when the Pistons can be as bad as they want, but if that's their guy leading your franchise and you have other like potential franchise players coming down the pipeline um, draft pits and they're not a cap space. I, I mean, I don't think that's the matter until they get good in cap space, because I don't lure a region destinations to Detroit when you're at this point of your rebuild, but he's a winning player. And as bad as the Pistons are, and sometimes like the effort is awful, which is disheartening. The flashes and the sustained success since he's kind of got comfortable in the NBA gives you all the hope you need if you're a Pistons fan because I truly think in a year and like he, he like you see John Morant like like Memphis I don't th- I'm not putting him in the same like emphasis as John Morant because I think John Morant's like a player at this point he's just been that Memphis. I just think Kate is one of those like. And the NBA, it's like different because I think you can have a lot of guys who can just t- kind of just like take you over the top and get you into playoff contention. I think he's going to be a guy who, if he's on your team, he's still really young too. You're going to win 48 games at least. I truly like when he's fully formed. That's just how 
inclusive he is. He, he involves everyone. And when the Pistons eventually have the guys and he's leading that like bunch and he's playing the way he's playing right now, they're going to be better for it in the playoffs. Because I just listened to a podcast actually by Ryan Russillo today where he was just basically talking about how all these teams in the regular season, you have these star players whose usage rates are so high. And when it gets into the playoffs, it's easy to defend these guys. Cade Cunningham, who shares the ball, who makes the right play and is a good shooter. And when you need him to get his own luck, he can. Like, that is the way you are able to win championships kind of now in the NBA. And I think you have a good lead. Like, I've said this already before, but I just – nights like tonight when you watch him against the Celtics where he takes on a challenge like Jalen Brown there and locks him up at the end of the game. That's all the hope you need as a Pistons fan. I know it's been a tough watch, especially the last, like, three weeks, but that's all the hope you need as a Pistons fan if you want to keep coming back. Yeah, my thing is, you know, our our weekly Cade Cunningham check-in here. Cade Cunningham for this season is currently averaging 16 points, five rebounds, five assists. And the big kicker for me is 32 minutes. Because you know what, Collins, you alluded to it. He's a star player. He's going to get all this usage, but he can also kick it out and what have you. In two or three years, this man will be playing 40 minutes a game. And he will be averaging close to 25, 26. And with that, seven or eight assists. And you have definitely, I say that to say this, you have hit on the right guy. And I guess that's kind of been the theme of this year. And you kind of have to watch the Pistons to understand it because the thing is, they're not a good team. They're a tough watch, as you mentioned, Collins. But if you stick it out, there's some diamonds in the rough. And Kate has been the biggest. I don't even know. I don't know shit about jewelry. He's like 12 carats a lot. He's like he's like a 12 carat diamond in the rough. That's what he is. And around, you look at the other guys, like Sadiq Bay had 20 points, 11 rebounds tonight. No he was win. good tonight. I, I, Sadiq's a winning player, too. I He's... Just he's can't be like your second guy. He's just no. That's fair. That's definitely fair. I think he's the third guy when this team's ready to compete and stuff. But Stewart, Stewart also had a really good night. People were like, "Oh, he's gonna." Stewart probably played his best game in like two months. Very good game. Yeah, I mean, he threw up close to a double. Played really well tonight. Played well. Played really well defensively. Altered a lot of shots. So yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at with the Pistons as we roll into the All Star. When is the All Star game, Collins? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know if the A does this, but they like basically like so I know they probably do it for jerseys and money and just to hype it up, but they like they wait way too long to have the all-star game. They have all this build up and it's like not for another like week and a half. Well, I think oh hold up, here's the deal. They don't have another game again until the 24th. So the all-star break <laughs> must be coming up now. This was it. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying, Trent? Like we did the they did the draft last Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, um, I know. Whatever. Yeah, it is. I have nothing weird. else. Nope, that's I mean, all I got. This is still a tough watch. No, that's all That's all I got as well. Look, the Pistons now have 13 wins. They're, you know, 14th in the East. They're still ahead of the Magic. But they're going to be right back in that lottery for a top five pick, and you just got to keep your eye on it. That's all. Watch the games when you can. There is a diamond in the rough. His name is Cade. And every now and then you'll get a really good game from Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart. That's entertaining to watch. That's all. And like I said, I'm out on Killian Hayes. I, I, I'm fine being wrong about that. He's just not that good. Collins, I'm getting closer and closer to that every day. I'm out. I am so out.
Is that, is that good for Pistons? Yep, that's it. I mean, there's okay. not a lot. No, I understand. Obviously, I, th- I think that it's we're probably on a little bit of a short week as it is. Um, but yeah, we can wrap Pistons. Uh, like you guys said, the All Star break's coming up, so we'll have a little bit of break for Pistons talk for a bit. Um, I did want to squeeze in wings today, and I will keep it relatively short because a lot of what I am going to talk about today is going to be in the same vein of what we talked about last week. Um, I do want to give a shout out to my buddy Nick, who different Nick than the other Nick that submitted the question last week. Um, but my buddy Nick and I were chatting uh, the other day, and Nick Letty, no, not Nick Letty, believe it or not, T Wills. So T Wills was texting me. He's like, "Hey." Got a question for the pod. Thought you guys should kick around um, what you think the moves are going to be at the trade deadline and and what you think they could end up doing in free agency at the end of the year. So obviously um, the the trade deadline is about a month away for the NHL. There was already a move that was made. Tyler Toffoli moves from Montreal to Calgary, um, which was a pretty significant move from the standpoint of it looks like the Montreal Canadiens have fully embraced the fact that they're, Stanley Cup run was a bit of a fluke and they are now going full rebuild and burning the entire house down, which is great for them. And we now have to realize that Calgary is a going to be a real player in the playoffs um, when the time comes. So we are still a month away from the trade deadline. I know I touched on this stuff a bit last week, uh, but for the sake of conversation and to keep the ball rolling, and I guess to give us some sort of foundation um, as we move forward here, I'll talk about a couple of things that I think, Um, that the wings could do, should do, um, pieces that I think might get moved. Um, as far as free agents go, I can kind of wrap that in here a bit too. Um, but obviously that's something to say for later down the road, once we see how the roster shapes up post trade deadline. So from that standpoint of looking at the trade deadline, there is an element here of the Red Wings really, I don't think the wings can go wrong here. I, I, and I say that because they're a team that I would say many are considering to be overachieving a bit because I don't think the expectation was all that high for this team coming in. Now, as someone that watches the team and for, you know, the guys like us that have, have seen these prospects uh, play a little bit and have seen what's in the pipeline, I, I was obviously, and again, financially invested in them overachieving their expectations as to what Vegas thought they would do and many people thought that they would do. Um, I think that the Red Wings are probably self-aware enough to understand that they are not a team that is ready to seriously compete in the playoffs right now. I do not anticipate them catching Boston uh, for that wild card spot, and they sure as hell will not be taking away one of the top three spots in their division just because of how loaded this division is, especially at the top. So, the Red Wings might tease you down the stretch of being a team that, that oh, they, they might, they might not. I would not count on it happening. Don't hold your breath. And that's not an indictment on this team. It's just they are where they are, and they still have some question marks. And you see them trying to work through that right now as you see things like Phillips Zadina is getting time on the, on the top line. Uh, you see uh, Jamel and Giovanni Smith playing together on the fourth line. Jamel, of course, gets claimed off of waivers. They're trying to see where he fits. You get Troy Stetcher back in the lineup, and you're still trying to get Jordan Osterley in there. So they're, they're playing around with things to, to kind of see what works. And I guess that can lead us into the trade deadline and why I don't think that the Red Wings can really do any wrong. 
I don't believe that Steve Eiserman is looking at his team and going, this is the time to offload or, uh, or, or, or go out and acquire talent for the sake of offloading assets and trying to make a push for the, for the playoffs. I, I just don't see that happening, which is why I think there's a very good chance that the wings are a bit more quiet than people anticipated this deadline. I mean, this team has played pretty damn well and has, has exceeded expectations so far. The point where I think that the, the Red Wings are probably totally fine with moving forward with this roster through the end of the year and just seeing how close they can get to being competitive in the playoffs and playing meaningful games down the stretch. I don't think that there's that pressing need to unload a bunch of assets. Now, with that being said, there are some things that just make sense for the Red Wings, and that's what I'll talk through right now. I think the two the two glaring things that make sense for me as far as players that they can offload, I would say number one, is Thomas Grice. Thomas Grice is 36 years old. He's an unrestricted free agent after this season. He's making $3.6 million. I have said all along that Thomas Grice is about as steady as you can get in the net. This was the changing of the guard this year. As you finally saw, Alex Nadelkovic is, is truly taking over the net and deservedly so because he's played well. But nonetheless, you have Thomas Grice at 3.27 goals against and a 0.898 save percentage. That's that's pretty low on the save percentage end and high on the goals against average end for what Thomas Grice usually gives you. But he's still a very, very serviceable goalie. And you look around the league at a team like Edmonton is like the big team that everyone's talking about is the, the goaltender issues, the goaltender issues. Does Thomas Grice come in and solve that like a Marc-Andre Fleury would? No, but goaltending depth is important. And Vegas is a team, too, that's becoming the conversation is Robin Leonard's going to be down for some time now. Of They're looking for a goaltender. And Marc-Andre Fleury's even been brought up in conversation of going back to Vegas. So Thomas Grice is someone that I could see, you know, 100% being moved to a team that needs goaltending depth. Um, and I think that there's no problem that whatsoever. And I think Thomas Grace would embrace the fact that he's going to get a chance to play some playoff hockey again down the stretch. I don't think you lose anything from that standpoint. The return on a guy like Thomas Christ, I would anticipate it just primarily being picks, um, which is fine. I mean, you know, the Red Wings like to stockpile picks, as we know. Um, but I think that's a move that should be made. Is Sebastian Cosa ready to make the jump to play um, with your AHL team or in, in a pipe dream, your NHL team next year? Uh, that I don't know. He's had a bit of a stagnation in his development. And I say that because his numbers aren't just aren't as good as they were last year. So um, they're still very good. Don't get me wrong. Is Calvin Picard a guy that you want to, uh, or Calvin Pickard, a guy that you want to keep around here for another year to serve as that backup to Nadalkovich next year? Uh, maybe so. But I think Thomas Christ is a guy that can move. Um, the next glaring one is going to be Nick Letty. And I, and I look at this defensive core and you do have a handful of guys that are going to be unrestricted free agents. That includes Troy Stetcher, uh, Mark Stahl, Danny DeKaiser, and Nick Letty. I don't see any trade value for Danny DeKaiser or Mark Stahl. Uh, it, it, I, I just don't, unless a team is really desperate for a guy that they just want to kind of have like a veteran presence in the room and a, a guy that they probably scratch on most nights. Um, that's going to be fine with it. I guess maybe that's where a Mark Stahl comes into play. 
Uh, I don't anticipate Stahl or the Kaiser being on this team next year. Troy Stature is a, a tricky case because he missed a ton of time this year with injury and he's come back now. I even would say in this, in the sample size that you have seen of Troy Stature, I don't think he's blown anyone away as another guy that you just kind of take a flyer on and, and you hope that he can show you something. And, and again, more ice time means potentially more production. Um, and the injuries ha- haven't helped him. He's still only 27 years old, making 1.7 this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if Troy Stetcher's a guy they move on from. Um, and I don't know what his trade value would be for the sake of he hasn't played a lot this year. So maybe you get some more games in and you showcase him a bit and they want to move him. Great. Um, but Nick Letty is to me is going to be the guy that's going to move. Nick Letty hasn't had a tremendous year by any stretch of the imagination as a guy that's supposed to be a pretty good puck moving defenseman. He hasn't contributed as much as you'd like on the power play units. Um, but I do think that there is an opportunity for him to play uh, on a third pair somewhere on a playoff team to again, add that veteran presence. He's been there, done that in the playoffs. Um, I believe he got a cup in, in Chicago. Um, so that's a guy that I could, that I could see move as well. And I think that those two guys, it definitely makes sense for them to go. And now when we move into the forward group and I was kind of beating around the bush with this last week, but, but this is where it really, really gets tricky um, because in reality, in the conversation with the Red Wings up front has always been, well, you know, the Red Wings don't have that first line center and, and Dylan Larkin as a point per game player right now, he's been all-star this year. And I think he's been absolutely fantastic. And as I've said all along, if you put him with some talent with, which is Lucas Raymond, as of right now, it's Philip Zadina, but you know, the usual top line Bertuzzi Larkin and, and Raymond has been phenomenal and they can defend against any, any line in, in the league, really any top line in the league, um, and they can also score. And, and when you split Tyler Bertuzzi up and throw him on that second line, the, the great thing is that that line has gotten some pop now with Bertuzzi on it with the Suter, Bertuzzi, and Fabry line. And they've been rolling the Mesnikov and Fabry up front on that top line. And they've been good as well. So I think that's just a testament to how well Dylan Larkin has been playing this year, how good Lucas Raymond is. So with that being said, I I think that you're in a spot with the Red Wings where if you decide to move a couple of the guys I mentioned, I think you're fine because of the pipeline that you have. And the two guys that I'm looking at here are Vladislav Nemestikov and Pew Suter. And people might scratch their head a bit when, when they hear me say those names. Allow me to explain. Uh, Pew Suter has one year left on his deal. Uh, Vlad Nemestikov is an unrestricted free agent after this year. Both of these guys have had pretty solid years. I would say Nemesnikov has been very surprising this year, 23 points in 49 games. He has a plus one rating and, and his defense, it really cannot be understated of how, how solid he was defensively and, and has been this year, especially considering the fact that he was playing some time in the top six this year, as high as that top line. I think that Vlad Nemesnikov sneaky has probably the highest value that you have up front at, at forward. And I know that people might see that and go, well, isn't that a guy that you probably want to keep around? And I understand the sentiment, but the problem with Nemesnikov is he is fighting an uphill battle of finding a winger spot on those top two lines. I mean, let's be realistic, guys. I'm going to name you the four wingers that play in the top two lines or that, that will project to be there in the future. You have Lucas Raymond, Tyler Bertuzzi, Jacob Rana, and Robbie Fabry. Does anyone really think that Vlad Nemestikov is a better player than any of the four guys I just mentioned? I would say no. 
So if we want to stick Nemestikov on that third line where he has played the majority of the season, I think putting him on the fourth line would be criminal. So let's look at him as a third line player and call him what he is. You have plenty of guys that can play in that role. You have the Adam Ernie's, you have the Joe Valeno, who they've been, they've been trying to play on the wing a bit more. You have the Giovanni Smith. Granted, Giovanni Smith does not have the scoring touch that Nemestikov has. Um, you have your Sam Gagne that you can move to the wing, who Sam Gagne, also an unrestricted free agent. I just think the value for Vlad Nemestikov is, is, is high now as it's ever going to be. He's 29 years old. As I said, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this year. He's only making $2 million. This to me is a move that you can make to use one of your better assets to obtain draft picks. I think that Vlad Nemestikov also probably returns you a prospect. Now, whether the Red Wings are looking to return a defensive prospect or a forward prospect, uh, I, I guess I think it depends on the situation and the team that they're, are, they're looking to be trade partners with. But I think that's a guy that can move. And, and to me, it's really no harm, no foul, because you can play, if, if you want to keep Michael Rasmussen as the center on that third line, fine. You can play Valeno opposite Ernie if you want to. Um, when Mitchell Stevens comes back, if he's coming back at all this year, I'm not sure what, what the deal is on him, but you're going to have another opportunity to move guys around and move people up to that third line. So I think that's that's that middle six, that third line in that fourth line area is really your opportunity to clear a little bit of space. And I don't think anyone would blame you for it because people would see, okay, Vlad's out. So Valeno's going to get some more time playing on that third line in a winger role. Okay, cool. Or if they move Rass to the wing. Okay, cool. And guys, we still have to talk about Philip Zadina. And if they're, tr they're trying to play him on the first line right now, he's been totally fine since moving up there. He hasn't looked out of place. Now, Philip Zadina is a restricted free agent after this season. They, they are going to extend him because I think that they're still holding out hope that he turns into that goal scorer that he can be. But that's a guy that's going to be ending up, that's going to end up on your third line. And if not, if you got to move him up, well, you got to move someone down to the third line. I just don't think Vlad Nemesnikov is going to fit into these plans the way that, um, the way that maybe he had hoped just for the sake of what's coming up the pipeline. Jonathan uh, Jonathan Bergeron and Taro Hirose have been lighting it up in Grand Rapids. I know Bergen plays a bit of center as well, but those are guys that you really have to take a look at next year. I don't know if Hiroshi's ever going to be a mainstay in the NHL, but you know, by golly, he's, he's earned at least a look if they have to bring him up this year. So I think those are two guys that you have to keep in mind as well. Um, so Nemesnikov's the guy for me. The other guy is Pew Suter. Again, probably a guy you're scratching your head at. He's 25 years old. He's going to be on the books for 3.25 million next year. Pew Suter to me is a guy that if a, if a team's really looking for a playmaker to, to fill out that middle six, I think Pew Suter is the guy for the job. Um, he he's he's been okay this year, I would say. He he's he's a couple games shy of being on pace for his point production of where he was last year with 23 points in 50 games with a minus 10 rating. Pew Suter just to, to me as a second line center is not a guy that really jumps out at you to be honest. Like I don't I don't think his play. I don't think he has that, that, I don't know, that edge, that speed to the game where he can just be an absolute game breaker. And maybe you don't need him to be on a second line. 
Um, he is a pretty solid playmaker, and, and, and he's, I, I like the way that he's able to create for others on his line. And you can see that as evident by how Tyler Bertuzzi has been playing on that line and Robbie Fabry. Um, but I think that if the price is right for a guy like that, I could see the Red Wings moving him. I don't think there's so much attached to the hip with him. And again, the great thing about that is you can maybe try a guy like Joe Valeno at center on the second line. You can move a guy like Jonathan Bergeron's up. Um, when Mitchell Stevens comes back, that's another center that you can add the lineup and everyone kind of moves up the depth chart. So I could see him being a guy that's moved the Adam, the Adam Ernie's of the world. I just don't think that Steve Eiserman's going to see the, the trade value there for him to warrant getting rid of Ernie, who also has 2.1 on the books for next year. Adam Ernie, you can plug into your fourth line and not, not blink. Um, he's, he's been a nice surprise. Um, so that's a guy that, that people are probably thinking of that I don't necessarily think is going to get moved. Um, and then Sam Gagne. I, I, I can't say enough about this guy from what he brings to the locker room. Um, I know he's had a bit of an underwhelming year on the, on the score sheet. I mean, you know, 18 points in 50 games doesn't jump out at you at, at a minus four rating as well. But I just think the guy brings the total package in the locker room. Um, you can play him at center on that fourth line. He's a great penalty killer. So I really wouldn't even mind if they bring him back on a really, really cheap deal next year. But again, now we're talking about the young guys, who's ready, who's not. Um, and I could see a team like, and I hate to just bail out and go Edmonton because he played there, but for a team that needs needs to sure up their, uh, their depth in, in the middle to bottom six, I could see Sam Gagne going back over there. I just don't think the value is going to be there for Steve Eiserman to blow up the locker room like that on a guy like Ernie and a guy like Gagne. So to sum it all up, I think Nemestikov and Suter are two guys you look at up front that could be moved. And I think that you're, you can be a safe bet that you're going to say goodbye to Thomas Grice uh, and, and Nick Letty. As, as far as um, real quickly, as, as, as far as to answer the other part of T-Wolves' question about free agents, there is, there is actually a sneaky, sneaky good free agent class here that I really, I guess, didn't catch my eye right off the bat. Um, and a lot of the guys are, aren't really making all that much money. Um, I look at a guy like Nazem Kadri, who's having an absolutely unbelievable year with 62 points in 44 games. That's a guy who's just shy of 32 years old. He's making $4.5 million right now. I think that Nazem Kadri is going to get some money um, big time here because of how well he's been playing. I would love for the Red Wings to have a guy like Nazem Kadri uh, to play in, in, in that second line center role. Is this the best hockey we're going to see him play this year? Who knows? Um, but I, I think, you know, between him, a guy like Vincent Trocek, 32 points in 46 games, he's a guy that's the complete two-way two -way centerman in my eyes. Um, I could see the Red Wings making a bid for someone like him if they really want to shore up that second line center role. Um, and again, does it make sense to maybe churn and burn a guy like Pew Suter and then go right back and fill that same role um, with someone else? Maybe not. Um, but those are guys I'm looking at. I'm also looking at an Andre Burakovsky for Colorado, 36 points in 45 games, um, six foot three winger, uh, just around 27 years old, who was making just shy of 5 million this year. Um, I could see a guy like him. Um, being a piece that if you want to really bolster up that, um, that, that, oh, the Canada just scored. Sorry. I'm watching the gold cup, uh, the gold model game. Um, I could see a guy like him coming over. Um, and then the, the name that jumps off the page here for me, to be honest, is Andre Pilat. And I just say that cause I can bail out easy and go, he played for Stevie in Tampa. Andre Pilat at almost 32 years old is putting up 32 points in 44 games. So, um, he's still, the production's still there. 
Um, he has been an integral piece of that Tampa Bay Lightning team um, because he brings it all from the defensively, um, and, and he's you know pretty pretty sure-handed as a goal scorer, and also can you know he can create for others as well. Um, he's got 15 goals, 17 assists this year, so um, I could see those those being plays again. You really have to just wait and see who's getting re-signed, who's getting traded. Um, and I don't know, you know, with, with what the Red Wings have in the pipeline, I would like to think that they're going to give some of their guys a shot before they go out and spend a bunch of money at this point in time. Um, so I guess you, you, you do kind of have to wait and see to a, to a certain extent. Last guy I'll mention, John Klingberg. I'm speaking it into existence that the Red Wings are going to acquire him in a trade at the deadline, something crazy that no one saw coming. He wants out of Dallas. He's a free agent after this season. So, you know, maybe you're thinking if you're a Wings fan, well, okay, we don't really have to trade for him because he might want to test the market. He'll probably command some really, really, really good money. And the Wings really, beyond this year, they don't have a lot of money on the books for defensemen. This is offsides, by the way. The goal is going to be called back. Thank you very much. Go USA, go. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I've been rambling. Anyone that's not a Wings fan has turned the podcast off by now. I get it. Uh, but there's a lot to unpack there, and it, it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks going to the trade deadline. I love this time of year. It's absolutely awesome. Um, and, you know, free agency we can talk about down the line because there's a lot that has to happen. Um, but the team's still playing good hockey. There's no, there's no rush to move, guys. There's no pressure. Um, they can stay put, and I think people will be fine. And, you know, you let the guys move on that need to move on to create space for who you're ready to, to throw up um, into the big club next year. And we're out well, can sing Kumbaya. So there's your Red Wings talk for the week. T-Wills, thanks for the question. And thank you to anyone who is still continuing to listen to me rambling about the Red Wings like I'm talking to myself in an insane asylum. I do appreciate it. So go Wings. All right. Great stuff as always, Rabs. I want to hold off. Guys. On, listen, the thing is, is we have – I have a trifecta, but there are three great questions that are going to require big conversations. So I want to shelf two of them. I want to I want to bring one of them to the table here. So my I one fact that my buddy Ethan, my buddy Ethan from high school, he's a uh, what do you call it? He's a he's a uh, <laughs> consistent listener. He's a consistent oh, listener. How's that? Thank you, Ethan. Um, he wants to know. He submitted this question: Who was your favorite piston growing up? And he added that his favorite piston growing up was Rodney Stuckey. So Rams. I'll go to you first. Ethan, what brutal, brutal problems at home? Well, growing (laughs) up, guys, we dealt. You got to remember who we dealt with. I mean, I don't really remember Ben Wallace. You guys are. You remember Chauncey? Well, yes, but like, I'm when you get old enough to really appreciate. You just answered the question. Yeah, but when you, (laughs) uh, my favorite player wasn't Chauncey though. When you when you get old enough, Tayshawn. But when you when you get old enough to really, that's fine. When you get old enough to actually appreciate the game, I think it gets a little different. Like Chauncey left in 08 and we were eight years old, or at least me and Ethan and I were eight years old. So I want your guys to, I want your guys' answers. Chauncey Billups. I, what's it called? I live literally five minutes away from the Palace of Auburn Hills. Went to a ton of Pistons teams when I was really young. And I'm also a psychopath where I really was into sports at a very young age. It's Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups will forever probably be my favorite Piston. The day he got traded, I cried my eyes out. So I love Chauncey well, Billups. Well, Collins, can you give us a sleeper? Give a sleeper. Um, because I think I most do, kids I are love, honestly, I, I think most kids your age would say Chauncey. So give us a sleeper. Chucky Atkins. 
Um, I was too young for Chucky. The thing I did, the thing about my Pistons fandom is I don't remember the 04 team that well. Right. But every other team after that I remember very well. I remember when the Pistons lost the Heat. I I don't think I've ever been more mad about a sporting event. Like it, I was just down bad. And when they lost the Celtics, even though they had no shot against that Celtics team, um, uh, I'm trying to think of like more a modern one. Um, I did love KCP. He's not like in, even uh, in remotely in that. Because when the Pistons were good, I mean they were awesome. From I want to say like from 04 to 09, they were awesome, and I like lived and died with them. And a majority of my favorite players are from that era. Yeah. Um, I they had some bench guys I like really liked that only played there for a year. I I used to love when they had Mo Evans for a year. Like and Mo Evans was like a journeyman. <laughs> I thought he was like such a nice piece for us for no reason. Um, I like Jason Matsuo. My buddy, my buddy. Jason Matsuo doing an interview about how he's had such like a thousand women. It's like one of my favorite clips on Twitter. <laughs> Okay, so Jason Maxiel is one that my that when Ethan asked this question when he texted it to me, that's who he he was giving me shit because he said I'm sure you're I hated Rodney Sucky, by the way. What'd you say? I hated Rodney Sucky. Like okay, uh, well okay, okay, well let's let's get Rabs in the mix. Like Rabs, Rabs, who's your favorite player growing up and give us one sleeper? Um Ben Wallace, hands down. I I in again in, in 04, I was what six. But I used to watch the Pistons all the time because of how good that team was. I was I, I could name you every single player on that team. I had the little bobbleheads that my dad would get from the store that you put on the shelf with Larry Brown. Ben Wallace by far. I just I there was just something up like his energy and just like the intimidation factor that he would bring. Like you felt safe. You felt safe. Because Ben Wallace was on the floor. And I always love, like, is he going cornrows tonight? Is it the Afro? Like, there was just so much to love about the guy. Bar none, Ben Wallace, my favorite Piston of all time. And, again, relative to when I was growing up. A sleeper guy that I liked? I don't know why I had this infatuation with Antonio McDice. I think it was because it was was Antonio McDice. McDice, McDice, Like when Mason would do it. But I like I like Antonio McDice. That's my that's my sleeper. Rabs, he was good. <laughs> he I guess was like really good. He was like, fine. And that was like a thing too. Back in the day when Pistons had the best like training staff in the league, they would get all these older players and they would revive their careers. It was like uh, it's like McDice are just out on them. They come to Detroit and then that something happens. Yeah. I like I like Mickey Mac Dice. That's my okay. Look, my my pick, and this is I know I'm I'm the youngest one here, and I know it's only just two years difference between me and Rabs. No, Andre Drummond was it didn't age great, but growing up, I hated that guy. The first the first season that I actually tuned in to probably seventy percent of the Pistons games was 2014, and Dre was our guy. So number one was Andre Drummond. My honorable mention or my sleeper, that's really hard. I don't know. I don't have one. I don't to be honest, Trent. I you know who forgot. I like too was Greg Monroe. I have a sign. I did like Moose. Moose. Like they were Moose. so bad though during that era. Well, like, yeah, exactly. No that's that's Moose. why I say it, it didn't it didn't age great. Greg but Monroe. I hey, 
How about this one? I like Stanley Johnson's rookie year. Charlie, his, his rookie year. Stanley Johnson's rookie year. I was all in on the guy. Okay, we can close that case. I just, yeah. Thank you, Ethan, for the question. Shout thank out to you, the Ethan, Pistons. Thank you for your service. So no, no, just the one factor tonight. Just the one factor. That works for me. Does anyone have any last minute questions, comments, concerns, airing of grievances before we put the kibosh on this tonight? Who do the Lions draft? No. <laughs> don't care. Don't know. Don't care. I do and care. That, I just want to do that tonight. That is going to be no, I'm all kidding. I'm, I'm obviously today's kidding. episode of the Motown Rundown. For uh, I'm sorry. I can't even speak. I'm watching the U.S. and Canada right now. I'm stressed out. Canada scored like immediately after that goal got waved off. They scored again. So tough sledding so far for the U.S. Anyways, for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show uh, on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. We are also on Twitter at Motown underscore Rundown. Do not miss a single episode of our show. We post new episodes pretty much every single week depending on the week, depending on what we got going on. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are also on Spotify. Uh, like us, rate us five stars, say something nice about us if you want. Follow us, subscribe so you don't miss anything. Thank you all for listening. We love each and every one of you. We will see you guys next time. USA all the way.